This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. What show is this? This is the Aftershock Central <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> Episode 27. I don't know what show it is anymore. So many shows. You know what I mean? I totally get it. After a while, they just all seem like you're the same show. Yeah. Anyways, this is not a same old show. This is the Aftershock show. And uh, it's just uh, it's just me and Ronnie today. I'm Martin. Ronnie's here. Jack is uh, MIA. You know why? He he felt it was more important to go see Spider-Man Homecoming than to talk about Aftershock comics. Yeah. For, yeah. for shame. Shame. Shame on you. I hope you are never written into a comic book. Uh, or if he is, then he dies quickly. <laughs> And violently. <laughs> <laughs> but not too gory. Well, you know, it depends. We don't want another comic book controversy this week. I know. There's been we enough only... of those. Yeah. There's been enough of those. Anyways, we uh we didn't record last week. That was my fault. Yeah, and we didn't record last night because that was, that was Jack's fault. fault. <laughs> And guess who's missing tonight? Jack. Mm, shameful. Jack said, I can't record tonight, but I'll record tomorrow. And what does he say today? Oh, I'm going to go see Spider-Man. Mm. I think we should kick him out of the group. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's only a part-timer. <laughs> Anyways, enough chitter-chatter. we got a lot to talk about. You want to do uh, newsy bits first, or do you want to do books first? Let's do newsy bits first. How about that? Newsy bits. Breaking news. I need to get a soundboard. That's what I need. Sparkman, get yes. on that. Yeah, Sparkman, get on that. He, he sent me a bunch of files, but um, I need to get a mixer so I can loop them into the, uh, into the recording. Otherwise, it'd be afterwards, and that's annoying. Yeah. Um, anyways... Breaking news! Like, literally, this just happened. Uh, apparently, Aftershock has signed a deal with Salda Press in Italy to publish books there. So, that's cool, man. That's pretty awesome. Might have to see about these uh, Italian uh, versions of Aftershock books. May have to pick yeah. up a couple. We know a Valiant collector who gets Valiant versions. From all over the world. So, maybe... We can get the hookup for these. Maybe. Maybe. Um, that's cool. I don't think I've seen any uh, any covers or anything yet. But uh, congrats to Aftershock, man. That's uh, it's good news. You know what I mean? It's kind of a, a big step, really. Yeah, big step. It's good. They got the uh, the diamond distribution. Now they're doing the international distribution. Mm-hmm. It's moving on up in the world. Actually, I was looking at um, I was looking at sales last night. Mm-hmm. And all all the current titles are all placing somewhere on the uh, the top five hundred, which is good. Yep, it's good. And as they should, of course, of course. Uh, and then you've got a, a bit of news from Joe. Yep, Joe's going to start his coast to coast. That's not like space coast coast to coast. <laughs> David, I was going to make a joke. <laughs> um. Signing comics at LCSs from coast to coast, and he's starting in Dallas. Mm-hmm. 
So east, west, north, south. Look for a Joe Pruitt near you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's cool. I, I knew he was doing the, uh, the the Texas thing. He was doing a bunch of shops there. But uh, I'm glad he's going to be getting around. I hope it means that he can still write books. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Don't, uh, don't skip out on my black-eyed kids now. I know, because we're almost there. <laughs> we're almost there. One more week and we're back. Yep. So, uh, yeah, no, that's exciting. Good for them. Um, I don't think it's been any other news, has there? Um, no, not really. Not that. Uh, the fit. Was it Fujitsu? Is that what it is? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fujitsu. Yeah. Yeah, there's a Grace Smallwood cover coming out. Yep. Yeah. Which is awesome because Midnight or Moon Knight is my jam. Yep. So, yeah, that's cool. Um,. I heard he might be doing some Valiant stuff, too. Well, that'll be cool. Mm. Him and B. Claymore? I don't, I don't know. What are you talking about? Okay. I don't know anything. <laughs> Anyways, I... enough talking about other companies. Yes. Although I think uh, I think a large portion of the uh, the Aftershock group came to the Aftershock group from a Valiant group. Yeah, maybe through you or me or Jack. I mean, there's no proof. Yeah, we're all over the world. Yeah, Slack channel. Yeah, all that stuff. Yep, all that stuff. I don't think there's anything else going on. So let's get to some books. Since let's we uh, since we skipped out last week, we'll uh, briefly talk about what came out last week, which was Eleanor and the Egret, number three, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And then Rough Riders, Riders on the Storm, number four. Let's, uh... Oh, man, where's my copy? Dang. Oh. Mm. Shameful. I forgot to pull out my uh, Eleanor and the Egret. It's okay, I think I remember it. Um, I guess I'll kick off Eleanor and the Egret, eh? Go for it. So, Eleanor and her Egret have uh, a new plan to break into a, a special museum exhibit for a famous uh, painter mm -hmm. to steal her paintings so that the egret can eat. And uh, hilarity ensues. There's some, uh, there's some weird stuff that happens in this issue. One there of, is. One of the paintings comes alive and it's uh, a big monster bodyguard thing that's got guarding the exhibit. Mm -hmm. And uh, chases Eleanor and the Egret through the museum. Um, something happens at the end. No spoilers. But uh, it seems like maybe the Egret's not doing too well after this encounter. Um, what else happened on here? Not not too much. I guess that's the uh, the plot synopsis. And but, you kind of uh, get you kind of get the feeling that Eleanor and the detective have a flirty thing going back and forth. Yeah, they definitely do. Every time uh, she talks about him or he talks about her, there's little hearts floating around. Mm -hmm. um, so there's definitely something happening there. Um, and I, I kind of figured that from the first issue, to be honest. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's going to maybe be her way out of the whole thing, huh. uh, where he maybe tosses this whole thing aside uh, in order to be with Eleanor. Right. Which, uh, which, that's cool. 
Um, we we meet a new villain, villainess. Mm-hmm. Um, can't remember her name because I don't have the book in front of me. But uh, she was pretty. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you know yeah. what I mean. Cruella Deville ish. Very, yeah, very. Um, I was a little curious. There's some flashback scenes in uh, in this issue. Uh-huh. And I was trying to figure out if those flashbacks relate to Eleanor or if they relate to this other uh, famous painter. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up because it like I read I read the issue twice just to make sure that I grasped everything. But it seemed to me like this is my take on it and chime in whenever you want to. Mm-hmm. But they're drawn kind of the same. But yeah, but but she looks more like Eleanor in that flashback. I know, that's what I'm saying. The but but the artist and Eleanor kind of look the same. Have like the same features and whatnot. I could see and, that, okay. And since issue number one, when she started this art heist, A, it's to feed the Ecrit. And then B, it's to pull off this heist to where she's only stealing this famous person's art. Right. So are they related? Like a scorned sister, scorned mother, daughter thing? Yeah, I couldn't figure that out. I, I thought they might be related um, because they do look a little bit alike, although the painter is a little more refined looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, than Eleanor is. Yeah, um, well, well I, I took that just because of the different um, class that they are. Right? Sure, 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 sure. <clears throat> but, uh, I mean, the flashback takes place in what looks to be some kind of home for kids. Like yeah, abandoned like an orphanage. Children. Yeah, like an orphanage. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they could be like best friends growing up or maybe actually related. Um, the thought that crossed my mind. Twins separated at birth. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, <laughs> I if, know, they, if, they, if they look that much alike, they would maybe figure out, hey, we might be related, you know? Right. True. Um, so well, I, they, I think they, they haven't actually seen each other, though. As well, adults. I mean, right. Well, I guess yeah. Eleanor's seen her, I guess, but yeah. not vice versa. Right, right, right. Um, but the whole way the the heist took place was pretty funny in this issue, because mm-hmm. um, Eleanor pretends to be like janitorial staff, and she she walks in with the mustache. Oh, because she she has the egret dressed and up ice. as an ice sculpture. Yeah, yeah. Um, which how they didn't figure out that that was an ice sculpture is kind of weird, because <laughs> it it was just like goo makeup. Well, you got to throw all logic aside. I know at, I know. at this whole thing, so. I know. But, it's uh, kind of like one of those old timey wimey com- comic books, you know. Oh yeah, no, it, it didn't bother me at all. It didn't bother me at all. But when they when they show the egret and the makeup's melting off its face, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, "Come on, guys!" <laughs> what like, well, now was it? No wonder now, this chick's robbing every museum in town. You know, like you you guys are stupid. Uh, I, uh, yeah, because I thought one time the egret said that it was cold, or he was cold. So, 
but then another time in a panel and said that the painting was wearing off or the paint was wearing off. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't tell if the, he was actually frozen or the bird was actually frozen or if it was made up like makeup or both. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Mm-mm-mm. But the Sam Keith art, though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, I can't talk about that every time we talk about this book, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, it gets well, a little I know, old. but... Because Seb Keith is my shit. Right, but, like, it's not his... It is his normal stuff, but it's not, like, this is all... I mean, it could be, well, I guess it is, like, a period piece, kind of, but it's more, like, whimsical. Yeah, right, 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 right. So, yeah, this whole whole book, I, I know it's not for everybody, but it's one of those fun, quippy books that, you know, you find yourself laughing at just because, like you said, like, nobody knew that, that was, they were fake because all she had was a hat on and a mustache, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, of course they're st- going to steal paintings. It's, it's that easy to get in there. Yeah, 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 exactly. Let's rate this one up then. Um, I, I really like this one. I think it might be my favorite issue so far, so I'm going to give it a four out of five. That sounds, yeah, I'm going to go right there with you, especially with that cliffhanger ending there. Yeah. So I'm going to go four out of five, too. And that page is awesome. Yeah. That's a good-looking page. Let's go to Rough Riders, Riders on the Storm, number four. I hope that a uh, friend of the show, Adam Glass, makes a, a, a longer title for the next series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can have like two sentences worth of title. Uh, can, you, can we ab- abbreviate this somehow? I don't know. It's like when, uh, when I talk about that Britannia book that Valiant's doing. Uh, Britannia, we who are about to die, like, can you make that any longer? <laughs> Please, can you make it longer? Um, so Rough Riders Run the Storm number four. Uh, quick recap. Everybody escapes from uh, their traps in issue three. Mm-hmm. And there's a twist with a member of the team. Maybe. Eh, maybe. But I mean, really. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me at all. So uh, it, this one's just uh, uh, this is gonna be a quick one. I know for a fact it's gonna be a quick one. Because um, I mean, the the recap is pretty much exactly describes the entire story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although there's some there's some interesting things. Um, so we know that Annie had that little alien symbiote bug implanted in her to save her mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Um, which has made her a little different, but we haven't really seen how different. Right. And in this issue, uh, her and Edison were trapped, uh, like in a basement or something, right, at where the nuns are. Uh huh. And there's a bomb in there, and Annie dives onto the bomb to stop it from killing everybody. Uh huh. And it doesn't kill her. Right. That's weird. Yeah. And see, I would I guess before this issue I just was under the assumption that she knew that she died before and he brought her back. Mm-hmm. 
but here she definitely knows that something's weird so that's why she's just like the hell with it i'm gonna test it out type thing well i think i think that's why she tested it out though because she knows that something happened right 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 but then like then she's not very happy about it well i mean would you be happy about it I mean, you'd no. be happy. You'd be happy that you survived this bomb blast, but like, what does this mean now for her? Right, right, yeah. I can understand that. I mean, she jumped on a bomb; it exploded, and she's she's fine. It blew up all her clothes except her hat. Well, of course, because the hat's her staple piece. Of, of course, of course, of course. Um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I wonder how Adam's going to play with that. Um, in the rest of the series. And uh, the banter, like when she shows back up at the end and she's in the nun outfit. And, yes. <laughs> and Jack and uh, <clears throat> Houdini see her. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's great stuff. Yeah, he says, uh, seeing you in that outfit sure checks off some <laughs> fantasy boxes for me, Annie. Yeah. That's pretty funny. <clears throat> and she says, trust me, Jack, you couldn't handle this. oh man but yeah so edison's missing yes after this Mm -hmm. and after uh, the bomb after the bomb so the team reunites uh and they go try to find where edison is because annie saw the anarchist riding off in, in a carriage after the explosion so she assumes that he was kidnapped um Houdini, being the the smartass that he is, figures out that they must be in a ship because of the type of knot that was used to tie him and Jack to the horses. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they find the ship in uh, Niagara Falls, and they're gonna go and see uh, what's going on in the ship. There's a bunch of the anarchists hanging on deck, and uh, of course we see Thomas Edison with an anarchist mask and uh, he pulls it off to reveal his face mm-hmm. and Roosevelt says Edison? Yeah but and Roosevelt was a pure badass in this issue too Sure I mean which he has been throughout the whole series so Yeah 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 So do you think that he is part of the of this group? I mean, they they know who he is Right. right, so it's not like he can be pretending to be a member of their group. Right. Uh, see, it wouldn't surprise me if he wasn't pretending. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think he is. I, I, I think he's actually in it for him, and this is what he was wanting the whole time mm-hmm. because he's already playing. And godlike things. Sure, right, right, right. So I'm going to say no. He's not pretending. So he's been in on the plot the whole time. Yeah, because that's to me like that's one thing that this that's the only thing that like this book is missing is like that one big name villain. Yes, I get the whole anarchy thing, but like you know. You need that one main huge big name villain. Well, and he's and, been. And to to be honest, I hope that Edison does become a villain, 
and they bring in like Nick and the Tesla to replace him. Mm-hmm. You know, because they in real life they had their battles, qualms. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so I think that would be a really interesting dynamic, and it would still give the team like the 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 scientist, the the high tech guy. Right. Uh, but it would also give him a really formidable opponent. Right. Because I mean, all the opponents that they've had, they've been like famous people. Mm-hmm. Um, but they haven't been somebody that you could consider like a supervillain, you know? Right. Right. Uh, and Edison would fit that, especially because of his personality. Yes. That's so, yes. Yeah, he'd be like uh, Doctor Doom. <sighs> yeah. Good call. Yep. Not the movies, Doctor Doom. No. The comic. Definitely not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But he's not an angry blogger. <laughs> Adam Glass did miss one opportunity. Oh yeah. When Annie had the bomb explode on her, mm-hmm. I was waiting for the word bubbles from the nuns, and the nuns ask her, "Annie, are you okay? <laughs> are you okay, Annie?" That's a good call. <laughs> That is a good call. And knowing, you know, Adam's quick wit and everything, I figured he'd throw that in there, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know... know, I'm not going to tell Adam what to do. (laughs) Well, I'm not going to tell him either, but... (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) So you want to rate this one up? Yeah, yeah. I I just stick with the uh the 4 out of 5 on this one. Oh, you're crazy. I'm going to give this one a 5 out of 5. Honestly. Yeah. Because it had everything. Like the Jack and Houdini banter back and forth when they were tied to the horses. Mhm. Um you know, basically Roosevelt walking out there like uh what's his name and walking tall, you know, yeah. or I mean, that's kind of what that scene reminded me of and then plus the big ending that you know you need basically Fair enough. so and especially after four issues you know now we're actually getting somewhere mm-hmm. and it hit on everything for me so i'm gonna give it a five out of five annie are you okay <laughs> <laughs> is this uh is this five or six issues i think it's i, I don't know because the first one was four right <sighs> Uh, no, 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 no. Nope, the first yeah. one was seven or eight. Yeah, I think okay. it was eight. Yeah, okay. So this counts as like the second season, basically. Yeah, yeah. So we might be halfway through the story. That's fair. Yeah. I don't care, dude. As long as they keep making this book, I'm happy. Yep. This book is super fun every time. Yep, agreed. Let's get to some uh, fun in a different way book. Okay. Because the, these next two books are not fun, per se, Mm-mm. but uh, I enjoyed reading them mm-hmm. quite a bit. Uh, let's, do, I... let's do Baby Teeth first. Okay. Baby Teeth number two, the uh, the tale of the baby Antichrist from uh, Donnie Cates and Gary Brown. Um, you want to recap this one? Um, Sure. Um She's having a hard time. The baby's basically having a hard time 
feeding. Yes. I guess. And so she, of course, is being 16 and having a baby. And she's running on empty. And her sister and her dad are still fighting. And she thinks that she's let her dad down by having a baby at 16. But he comes in and basically tells her it's okay. She needs to get rest and she'll take the baby. And then more kind of backstory-ish, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, the baby starts crying when she takes it back. But then it finally latches on at the end and reveals... Dun-dun-dun. No more spoilers after that. <laughs> uh, we are terrible at spoilers. I know. Terrible. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot in this issue, man. A yeah. lot of world building in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it it doesn't even feel like it bogs the story down either, because every everything that you learn about the world in this issue is just all very natural. Um, and flows from the events that happen in the book. Um, but I, I think by now it does become pretty obvious that this story is happening in the past. Yeah. Um, so we know for a fact that at least for a while, uh, she and the baby are going to be just fine. Well, yeah. and I think her sister well, and her dad too, right? Because she talks about them. Well, she does talk about them, but when at the end of the first issue we just see her with everything destroyed and her with the cell phone yes. doing the diary so we yes. don't actually see the dad or the sister so right but i mean what we see at the end of the first issue i assume is at least a few years down the line you know what i mean um oh yeah 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 the the way that she talked about her dad and her sister in this issue made it seem to me that at least for the next few adventures they're going to be around yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is good. I was a little worried about the dad when he first came in. I was like, mm. oh, God, I hope he's not, like, you know, part of this cult or whatever. Right. Um, but when she when she did her little speech on the on the uh, flashback stuff, um, uh, to me, at least, it seems kind of obvious that he's not, that he actually is there to protect her. But, you know, that could change in the future, I suppose. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I do like the way the book opened, by the way, with uh, her sister knocking that bully down from... Uh, that was the same guy from the first issue, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it was. Uh, knocking him down, she's like, I'll fucking kill you! Yeah. <laughs> well, and also, I like, like telling a story. Yes. Like, if you were telling a story to one of your girls, right, mm-hmm. in the future, you would skip ahead... And then forget that you hadn't explained that part yet. Mm-hmm. And that's what she does here, where she's talking about the assassins and the monkey. Yep. And so I thought, you know, the the writing is just fantastic on it. Yep. Did you uh, did you figure out what all the posters in her room are? Because some uh, some of them are pretty obvious, but there's a few that I couldn't quite tell what they were. Yeah. I don't um, have it in front of me, but yeah, so, there were some that stood out really so, well. So there's a Batman, which you see a few times. Uh-huh. Um, there's an Escape from New York. Uh-huh. There's a Superman. There's an Alien. And then there's like three more that I can't... One just looks like a, a drawing, maybe, that she did. Um, but the other two look like they might be posters. 
Um, like band posters? No, no, mo- like movie posters. Oh, okay. And I, I couldn't figure out what they were. Because, um, like, one of them kind of looks like it could be an alien thing, but I don't think it would be a second alien poster. Right. Um, and then the other one, I couldn't tell what it was. But I just thought that was kind of cool. Because um, those are all, like, classic, like, nerd things. You know, like, obviously right. Batman yeah. Superman, right? Right. Um, but, like, Escape from New York, like, that's yeah. a cult classic, and so is Alien, so... Um, yeah. I don't know if that's uh, Gary Brown's influences or something Donnie put in there, um, but I thought that was that was cool as a reader to try to figure out what those were. Um, I thought there was uh, from Dust Till Dawn one too, but maybe that's what that one is. Because that would kind of make kind of make sense, but not really. Yeah, I guess so. But hmm. you know. Yeah, it is what it is. It is what it's- it is. Um, so we we switch from her having all these all these issues trying to raise the baby, and her dad kind uh-huh. of being like, "Hey, get some sleep. I'll take care of the baby." You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and ass- reassuring her that he and her sister are always going to be there for her, uh, which was nice. There's there's a lot of uh, a lot of relationship building here as well. Yeah, um, yeah, there is. Which which is nice, you know, and, and a lot of books they take so long to establish the character and, and and their relationship to other people in the book, and uh, here is just so quick, and it doesn't even take very many pages for you to to really understand who these people are. Yep, and that's and why like Donnie's the, the best. Yep, and like, uh, well, that's debatable, but oh. um, so are you going to take Adam or are you going to take Donnie? I don't know. We can, uh, uh, we can have him wrestle it out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, like um, e- even the character building and unbuilding, right? Because mm-hmm. like the dad and the oldest daughter seem to be always at odds. Because he always asks, why don't she just go out the front door instead of the right. window? Right. She says, because you hate it. So right. that's why she does. Yeah, but at the same time, like, you know that they still love each other. Yeah, even yeah, though yeah. she does stuff to piss him off on purpose. Right. Um, yeah, no, that was cool. That was well done. We, uh, I'm trying to get to. Yeah, here we go. So from there, we start getting satellite imagery mm-hmm. of the uh, the neighborhood and then the the whole town mm-hmm. because there's a secret group that was hinted at in the first issue mm-hmm. that is trying to figure out. Um, about these earthquakes that happened when the baby was born. And, of course, they pinpoint it down to Salt Lake City because that's where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and the group is called the Silhouette. And uh, I, I'm, I'm, I th- at first I thought they were going to be devil worshippers because this kid is the Antichrist, the baby's the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's the case at all. No. I think it, it can't be the because this, because they say in there that this wouldn't be the first one that they've offed. Right. Yeah, they wouldn't kill him if they were trying to, you know, worship the Antichrist. Right. So I'm, I'm wondering if there's some like religious connections with like the Vatican or anything like that, um, or if it's just like a group of wealthy whatevers. Uh, the, just the one like, percent. Yeah, like the one percent. <laughs> um, because I mean, she she does refer to them as the Illuminati or whatever. 
Yes. Um, maybe they they're killing these antichrists so that they don't lose their seat of power. Right. That would be totally understandable too. Um, mm-hmm. And that would be interesting because normally when we have an Antichrist story, it is either a devil worshipping cult or like religious fanatics. And for right. it to be neither, I think would be really interesting. Yep. It's definitely a different think outside the box type thing. Yep. Yep. Um, there, there's a lot that gets thrown in in these couple pages though. And I, I really hope that uh, Donnie gets to it at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so they reference the the case of the little Arabic girl, um, and that's still an open case. So my yeah. assumption is at some point maybe this will tie into our story. Right. Um, there's uh, what, what's the other one that they they mentioned? Oh, oh, so I was trying to see if this is a reference to another Donnie Cates book. Um, because on page, I don't even know what page this is. Uh, one of the guys on, on the, the Illuminati Council and the Silhouette Council, he says, um, "Okay, who do we like for this? Because they they want to get like a hitman, right? To kill the baby." Uh-huh. He says, "Okay, who do we like for this? Cole?" And he says, "No, sir, Roland. Uh, no, sir, Roland is still engaged in the acquisition of the ghost." And so, so I can't remember, but the Ghost Fleet was one of Donnie's books. Mm. And there was an organization kind of like this in that book. Okay. So I was I didn't get a chance to go back and read the Ghost Fleet to see if there's a Roland character in there, um, but I'm pretty sure there was. See, um, I, I kind of took that as like the Dark Tower uh, Stephen King refer- reference. Oh, really? Just because um, Roland is the name of the gunslinger, yeah, yeah, and he's and he's chasing after death, and so if he is chasing after the Antichrist, which would be chaos mm. slash death, so I thought maybe that was just a little nod to that. Mm, that could but, be cool too. But yours actually fits better than mine. I just thought it'd be interesting if they were connected. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. again, I could be totally wrong because there may not have been a rolling coal in the Ghost Fleet. Because right. um, I think that's been a while. It came out, I don't even know, four years ago, maybe three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I thought that was cool. And they go through a whole list of different hitmen they could use, mm-hmm. um, like the Coyote and, like I said, Roland. And then they go to the Prairie Wolf. <laughs> mm hmm. And from Prairie Wolf, we swing over to the desert. There's just a trailer in the middle of nowhere. And there's this old man and his daughter. She's working out, super loud music. He's sleeping. He's like, turn the shit off. Like, I'm trying to sleep. (laughs) There's chickens outside, like, clucking away. So he gets super pissed, goes outside, shoots all the chickens in the head. um, And then goes back in tells her to turn the music off again she does and then a helicopter shows up and it's people from this from the silhouette um trying to find the prairie wolf of course you assume based on what you just saw that the prairie wolf is the old man right and he's like no he's like screw you guys i'm not getting involved um, I'm not killing any more kids, no more any Christ babies or whatever. Oh, he's no more demons or harbingers is what he says. Right. Um, he's like, I did that shit already. I'm tired. And they give him a file and it says Prairie Wolf. 
And he's like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. And uh, he's like, Sydney, it's for you. And that's how the book ends. Sydney is his daughter. Yep. Um, so, well, that's how that scene ends. Well, that's how that scene ends, yeah. 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 So, yes. I, I kind of expected that, by the way. Uh, yeah. I was like, this is too obvious for it to be this old man. You know what yeah, I mean? because he's like the grumpy old Clint Eastwood type, right? Yeah, right, right, right. And, yeah. Yep. Well, plus with, uh, with our main character being a girl in high school, it mm-hmm. seems to me like it would fit better for this hit person to fit in because she's a young woman as well. Right. You know? Right. Um, so she can get a little bit closer. Right. Um, I like some of this banter that happens right after. When mm-hmm. she starts talking about um, the raccoons, because the raccoons come up twice in this issue. Yep. Um, one here, because she's having these dreams about weird raccoons. Uh-huh. And then as she's retelling her story to her kid in the future, um, she talks about the the little devil raccoon. Right. Um, and Donnie talked a little bit about it at the C2E2 panel. And apparently the devil raccoon is like his favorite thing ever. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, he, he writes a few issues ahead. So all the stuff right. the raccoon will be coming up in a couple of issues. Um, right. But finally seeing that little thing here that I heard about, you know, back in April before the book was even out, uh-huh. um, I thought it was cool. And I want to see this freaking weird ass raccoon. Right. You know, it's not your rocket raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so then yeah, so then we get to uh the the scene that you mentioned where uh she goes to try to feed the baby. She finally breastfeeds him and he quiets down and then uh a little something something happens. Yep. <laughs> Which I mean, if you look at issue three's cover, you can kinda tell. So Yes. Correct. Correct. But um, let's write this one up. You got well, how about this? Some thoughts. Some thoughts on this before we go. Um Yeah. This one, just like issue one, there's a lot going on, but it in a good way. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't drag. There's a lot of substance here and back story. Just like issue one didn't it, it felt like a, a number one issue, but there was still a lot of content in there to mm-hmm. sink your teeth into. Yep. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, to me, this is probably one of my favorite Aftershock books. Agreed. Agreed. It's really fun. So, uh, give me your rating. Um... Uh, I'm going to have to go five out of five, baby puking. <laughs> Are you trying to tamo this podcast? Uh, no, I'm just being cheesy. <laughs> um, I will give this a uh, five out of five as well. Five out of five. Uh... I don't even know. See? No, yeah. well, well what, what, everything I want to say is going to be spoilery. So you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Can't do that. Yeah, it's 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 freaking awesome. I love this book. I love this book. Five out of five could... raccoon tamo. How about that? Uh, <laughs> or it could be five out of five prairie wolf, not prairie dog. 
Hey, there you go. Tamo. <laughs> we stole the Tamo. Yep. People that don't know about the Tamo are like, what are they talking about? Yeah. It's okay. We forget, it's, guys. It lives it, on. It lives on. Let's get to our final book. Let me find it first. The Unholy Grail finally came out, Paul, or uh, Ronnie. I almost called you Paul. <laughs> uh, it's all right. I've been called worse, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure you have. I see Paul's talking about the uh, Fantasy Football League, so. Yeah. He got me all distracted. Yeah. Um, Unholy Grail is Cullen Bunn's new book for Aftershock. Mm-hmm. Man, this guy, how many books is he doing? He's doing quite a few. Because he's got, what is it, Regression 2? That just came out. And then he has Unbound, right? Oh, my God, yeah. And then he has this one and another one coming up later for Aftershock. Yep, that's right. The, oh, God, what's it called? Dark Dark Art, yep. Yep. And then X-Men. Yep. And then, is he still on Drax, or did that get canceled? I think that's canceled. Oh, mercifully. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then, and then he's doing Harrow County, still. Yep, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cullen Bunn, man, your schedule must be crazy, man. Yeah. So uh, this is the dark retelling of the King Arthur story. Hmm. Um. Now, if you have if you have a quick recap, you can uh, give me one. I can't think of one because there's a lot that happens here. Yeah. I... Um, Percival, right? Yep. Uh, is the last surviving knight to come back with the Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gives the backstory of Merlin and Uther. Yep. Pendragon. Which is Arthur's father. Yes. Yep. But Arthur's nowhere to be found and nobody knows where he's at. Yep. And Merlin actually meets a demon. He does. And he gets possessed by said demon. And so then that's what sets everything else. Uh, Basically, he shows up and convinces everybody that Arthur should be the heir to the king. Mm -hmm. That's a lot to unpack there. Well, I guess Arthur does show up at the end, right? Arthur does show up at the end. Cause he's, uh, he's, he's throwing swords into the Lady of the Lake. Lake. Yep. yep. Um, so, Colin Bunn writing, Marco Kolak on art, Maria Santolala on colors, and Simon Bolin on letters. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of the art, first of all? I Actually, I dug it. It fits the tone and the piece, and yeah. I agree. This art was freaking awesome. Yeah. Freaking awesome. It's uh it's 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 got some similarities to uh Pestilence. Yes. Uh, but I think Pestilence is a little more cartoony. Um and I don't mean to say that in a bad way by the way. It's just uh, it's more crisp. Yeah, yeah, that makes that, there, you, there you go. It's more crisp. Yeah. Um where and maybe less realistic with proportions. Right. Whereas this feels a little more proportionate in terms of the the characters and facial expression, things like that. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean the the book opens 
pretty bleakly uh, because you see all the swords at the bottom of the lake, which get referenced, like you said, later on in the in the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got uh, Percival came back with the Grail, but the whole kingdom's been destroyed. Yep. Um, like all the you see all the people in pieces with swords through various body parts, um, crows chewing on flesh destroyed buildings and Camelot is just decrepit um, the only thing that's kind of standing still is uh, Arthur's throne mm-hmm. um, and that's about it so I'm I, no doubt we're gonna get the story of how we got to that point right right because um, there were 12 knights right plus King Arthur um, and some they they must have gone somewhere to get the Holy Grail, um, so we'll see we'll see how that goes. But uh, that that's got me pretty interested. Um, yeah. Then you switch to Merlin, which I don't know if I agree with you because I, I got I, I I read this a little bit differently than you did. Really. Um. So you read it as he gets possessed by the demon, right? Yeah, because. Uh, it's like because uh, on that one page where Merlin's walking away, uh-huh. the demon's old body that he was in is right there in front and center, like laying there. So it's kind of like the it, demon jumping, basically, because you can see Merlin's um, attitude change after that point. Because before he was like old and wise and kind of gung shy mm-hmm. but then like after that point he's just straightforward and assholeish okay yeah okay okay I, I guess that makes sense then um see i read it differently um because when merlin meets the dim- the demon he introduces himself as what, what is it he says he says i'm not a priest i'm merlin advisor to the king son to the devil himself Mm-hmm. And the, and the demon's like the devil. He's like, I know the devil and all his sons, and you're not one of them. Um, okay, yeah. Now that I reread it, you might be right. Because he's like saying, "No, get off me, get off me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, it, that's possible. But see, so the way I read it is he he's doing that um, kind of to be left alone, but the demon still tries to attack him. And then when the scene cuts out and it pans out. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that that's when Merlin killed the demon because of the fact that as he's walking away, you see the demon's body on the ground. Um, and the reason, so when, when you pan back into Merlin, his face is all out of place. Um, because I figured that happened in, you know, their struggle. Okay. Um, Merlin like brought out his demon self because he's the son of the devil um and you know this human skin that he's got on is just kind of like a costume really um i don't know yeah like alien like the bug guy from men in black kind of yeah yeah there you go yep yep but i i just took it just like like you said only it was the demon that possessed merlin's body body and like his jaw or whatever was dislodged in the struggle, mm-hmm. and then he just like snapped it back. 
Well, it wasn't just his jaw, man. It was his whole face. Oh, well, right, right. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. <clears throat> yeah, I guess, I guess that works, too. I mean, either way works, right? Because... I mean, it, e- it, either way, it, he's pretty evil. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah. It, I, I can't wait to see where this goes, because, you know, like, I'm a big King Arthur fan mm-hmm. anyway. So we still got Morgana to meet and all kind and, you know, everybody. So it's going to be pretty awesome, I think. Yeah, I think it could be. I think it could be. Um, When when Merlin goes to. So Uther's dying, right? Yeah. Um, When when he goes to see Uther and he's pretty much just like ready for Uther to die. because I guess Uther isn't really part of his plan. There, there must be something special about Arthur, right? Right. That he wants Uther dead and Arthur to take his place. Um, yeah. And of course, all the the barons and dukes and whatever the hell else, um, they all want to be king. So they're waiting to see who Uther's going to decide to be king. And of course, Merlin says, "Well, he's gonna decide. It's Arthur because that's his son. His son's gonna be king." Right. Um, and they have that panel where he goes to the bedside and like sticks his fingers through Uther's skull into his brain. Yeah. And like mind controls him, I guess, and makes Uther into a puppet right. to say, "Hey, Arthur will be my heir." Uh, and then he dies. Yeah, and all the guys are like, "Well, that's some bullshit." Like, <laughs> yeah, because he just got l- lobotomized, basically. Yeah, yeah. Which they didn't find that weird. Like, he sticks his hand there, and when he pulls it out, like it's dripping blood everywhere. I don't know. Surely, when right. they when they go to you know bury him, they're gonna be like, "Oh, well, there's finger holes in the back of his yeah. head." <laughs> they said it's a bowling ball now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, where, where's Arthur doing all this? He's lost, remember? Because um, it says we don't know where Arthur is. That's why there's the big discussion about who's going to be heir to the throne. That's right, that's right. And Merlin says now to find Arthur, which obviously he does find the last couple of panels which that's the one thing i didn't like um because it's like i need to find the boy and then the next panel oh merlin found the boy but it's obviously years later oh uh, well uh, yes yes i get that but i would have liked to see how find he them. finds arthur oh uh, well i'm sure we'll probably get more backstory on that sure sure because uh, by this point, Arthur is king, and he's an adult. Yeah. Um, a, a brainwashed adult. Mm-hmm. Because he and Merlin go out to the middle of the lake, and they're tossing swords as offerings to the Lady of the Lake. Um, and every time he throws one in, Arthur's like, I don't even remember like who I killed to get this weapon. Right. Um, and it, he seems like... Yeah, he's brainwashed, but it kind of seems like he's reluctant to throw it into the lake as well. So, you know, 
or maybe it's just that the writing coming across like he is not thinking for his own free will. Yeah, no, he's definitely thinking on his own. Um, I don't know about the fact that he's reluctant. I, I really don't think he knows what the hell he's doing. Yeah, because then Merlin screams at him and says, throw it in the lake. Yep. And surely they're going to explain offering up the swords, right? Right. Like, there's yeah. got to be a reason. Because they, they do say that, you know, Arthur offering these swords to the lake are what gave the Lady of the Lake, like, a, a physical body. Uh-huh. Um, and made her accept Arthur as king. Right. Um, but that seems like kind of up in the air. You know, it doesn't really answer any questions. Right. Uh, and I'm not expecting any questions answered in the first issue, but I hope that's not what the final answer is, right? Like, hey, let's throw these things in here so, you know, the gods will say you're king. Well, and I hope it's not like as black and white as everything we know about King Arthur and the tale mm-hmm. now is just reversed, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like the lady in the lake would be good instead of evil, like she was or whatever. You know well, what I mean? Is she good though? Because when when you see the lady of the lake, like yes, you have that beautiful woman in the foreground, but in the background, it's like a pretty nasty looking demon thing. No, yeah, I, I get it. But what would you look like if you were centuries under a water? I mean, super hot, like girl, obviously. <laughs> No, I'm just saying I, I don't want it to be black and white like that. I still want the twists and turns so we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, right, right, right. Yep. Yeah. Um, Final thoughts? Final thoughts. I, I, don't, I don't know what to think about this book yet. Okay. Um, I, really, I really enjoyed reading it, and there's, there's things that I'm picking up now as I'm talking to you about it. Um, it feels like I should maybe read it one more time before I can make a final decision. Um, but I really, I really enjoyed the art. I like this twisted thing that they're doing with the, uh, the Arthurian legend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really looking forward to the, you know, the, the next few issues, um, to see how this whole thing develops. Um, in terms of my rating, I don't know. I'm 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 gonna go a little bit lower on this one. Um, maybe like a, I don't know. I'll say a three point five on this one. Okay. Well, if you reread it and you change it, you can tell us next episode. I can do that. <clears throat> to me, this is a four point five. Hmm. Just because it's a number one, so it does what it's what number ones need to do is make you want number two mm-hmm. but there's so much content in between the front cover and the last cover mm-hmm. that there's tons of things there like you said there's more questions than answers yes so there's lots of stuff to sink your teeth into or to think about or you know for me and the art like you said is awesome and you know, down to the coloring and and the lettering, everything's pretty spot on for me. Mm-hmm. 
That's fair enough. If if I change my mind on the next episode, I will tell you. Okay. And I, and I might. I think you made some valid points. It is a number one. Um, but because it's a number one, I want to be like instantly in the story. You see what I mean? Yeah. Um, if you wanna if you wanna slow down on telling me stuff, just wait till the second issue. Um, but you know, like World Reader was kind of like that, right? Like right. the first issue was good. But to me, it was it was lacking a little bit. And now that we're what are we in like three issues in, mm-hmm. like that story has really picked up. Well, see, and I just I think this issue is more of that world building and setting the table. But there's more pieces on the table that make it more interesting. Yep. So, but I'm giving it a four and a half. So that's fair enough. That's fair enough. And I, I mean, I gotta say, I do like Cullen Bunn's horror work, mm-hmm. so I have no doubt I'm gonna end up loving this book. Yep. Uh, just right now, I have some reservations. Um, I don't know if you saw too. The book is returnable. Um, really? Which I don't think Aftershock has done much of before. If um, if so, if a if a shop orders seventy five percent of the number of copies they order of Baby Teeth then all the copies are returnable. Of baby teeth? So if so if they order 100 copies of baby teeth, right? Uh-huh, right. They, they need to order 75 copies of Unholy Grail to make them returnable. Ah. Uh, I did not know that. Yep. Which, that's interesting, using one book to prop another like that. Yeah. Um, and I find that interesting, too, because it's Cullen Bunn, right? So he already comes in with a built-in audience. Right. Um... In particular, his indie horror stuff. So, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to see how that pops up on the sales next month. Yeah. Um, if that helps or not. Yeah. Um, Which I, I don't know for you per se on the east side, mm-hmm. but like here, like there was hardly I know at least one LCS did that. Like they ordered heavy, mm-hmm. and there was only like three or four copies left. Of, of Unholy on. Grail? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's good. So. That is good. Uh, no, I haven't been to a shop in uh, in a couple months. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, I do DCBS, and I'm doing some digital now, too, so. Um, yeah. It's just more convenient for me. Yep. But I, I might, totally I might find out. I might find out. That's it. That's, it. That's all the books. We're caught up. Next week, that was a big week, Ronnie. Next, it is a big week. There are... It's like Christmas in July. <laughs> uh, what is it? Three books next week. Yep. We have uh, World Reader number four. Mm-hmm. We have Animosity: The Rise, Volume Two, mm-hmm. which is the one shot. Mm-hmm. And of course, the greatest book in all of creation. Black Eyed Kids comes back with issue 13. Yes. <laughs> That'll be right there on the top of my pile to read list. Mine too, buddy. Mine too. Although, let me tell you, I thought I was only a couple weeks behind. I was uh, I was looking over my uh, to read, uh, mm-hmm. and it's close to 100 books right now. Ooh. I'm super behind. Yeah, I'm not that far, but I'm pretty far as well. 
The the only thing I'm caught up on is Aftershock, um, and then a couple of DC books, and that's it. I'm only caught up on Aftershock and indie stuff. <laughs> and, of course, uh, select titles from the big two, but like Secret Empire, you know. Or... Oh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm caught up on that. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ca- no, 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 I'm not. I'm one behind. <laughs> I lied. I'm looking at my sheet right now. God, I'm so behind. Oh my god, I can't even look at this anymore. Let me close that. <laughs> You've been listening to. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying you need to wrap this up so that way you can get off here and read. Read. I'm gonna edit this and post it right now. Okay. After Shock Central Podcast, uh, Ronnie's at Rumble three sixteen. I'm at Geekvine. Uh, Jack who? Who? At who's Jack Sutherland? <laughs> uh, he's at Jack Sutherland. And uh, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you're a member of the Aftershock Comic Fans Facebook group. But if you're not, you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash Aftershock Comics Fan. Wait, is it comics or comic? Comics. Comic. Yeah. Yeah, comic. Uh, yeah. The comics is somebody else's. Don't go to that one. Aftershock comic fans. Facebook.com slash groups slash Aftershock comic fans. And uh, if you're new, welcome aboard. If you're uh, a a returning person, welcome aboard again. Yes. Anything else? Uh, uh, Hit us up on the Twitter machine, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, Aftershock uh, pod. Yep. Which apparently people think is the official Aftershock Twitter account. And that's okay. Yep, that's fine. It's fine by us. Mm-hmm. I had the uh, the same thing with uh, Valiant Central, by the way. Oh, do you? Uh, yeah, and I, I don't get as many messages as I used to now, but uh, like the first year or two that I was doing it, when we first started it, mm. all the time, hey, I love what you guys do, blah, 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 can you get this person on to do a comic? I'm like, uh, you want this other Valiant? Yeah, <laughs> Not right. But yeah. I, I'll pass the info along, bro. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's it. We'll uh, we'll be back next week. Three big books. Have a good night.